You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Some sided with the Jews and others with the apostles. But when the Gentiles and Jews together with their rulers set out to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding region where they continued to preach the gospel. So uh, really the first thing that kind of stuck out to me was um, in verse 1, they, they went, Paul and Barnabas, as usual, says, as usual, when they arrive in a new place, they go right to the synagogue. And why is, is, you know, there's a few different reasons, but that's where large gatherings of people always happens. Um, and where teachings happen and things like that. And so they go right to there where, where the people are, where the crowds are, uh, so they can speak and, and teach there. And, and, and. 
you know, present the good news. And, uh, but what, what, what caught me was in verse one, they spoke so well that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. And we're going to kind of see this idea again, a couple verses later, but they spoke so well, they, uh, and uh, different translations, they spoke effectively. Uh, they spoke in such a way, uh, they preached with such power and, all of them, just to kind of get across the point that they were, it's pretty obvious they were teaching with, they were teaching, you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, God was leading them, leading their message, leading their, pre- their presentation in such a way that uh, it was just, a, it, was, it was a powerful setting, a powerful presentation uh, of the gospel. And, and, you know, due to that, and with the, you know, with the Holy Spirit uh, working, a large number believed. And so that right there is, is, is so cool. And it's, and it's Jews and Greeks. So it's people, uh, people from all kinds of backgrounds, all types of, um, you know, you had religious people that, that, you know, would have known all the scriptures leading up to it. But then being presented with Jesus is the Messiah. They believe that. Um, there were also a lot of Jews that that did not, and we'll see that in you know a little bit. And then you know Greeks who were who were non-believers, they were non-Jews to begin with. Um, but all these different people from different groups became believers, became Christ followers. And so, verse two. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. The unbelieving Jews, like I just said, the the. The already religious people, um, the ones who, again, knew, would have known the Old Testament scriptures and things like that, they, they were always the ones in, in these situations with the disciples and apostles who, who always stirred up, the, stirred up the madness because they, they didn't want to believe. They didn't, they didn't believe that, that Jesus was the Messiah that all their scriptures were talking about. And... So now all of a sudden when these guys are coming and saying that, this is, this is heresy. This is, you know, why are you, why are you teaching this? And so, so we see here that, you know, these unbelieving Jews are stirring up the, the again, the already non-religious people, the Greeks and uh, the Gentiles. And they poison their minds against the brothers. So they're saying, you got, you got Paul and Barnabas over here, uh, you know, giving it, giving a gospel presentation basically and, and telling people about Jesus and doing other things. And then you have this other group of, of religious people that are literally, they say here, poisoning the minds. They're literally stirring up the crowd uh, to get them to not believe what Paul and Barnabas are saying. So we have these two things going on here. And uh, it, it's just interesting. It's, it's interesting how people... You know, because we it, that never that never ended. You know, we see that nowadays. You know how people try to, uh, you know, they they try to manipulate pe- other people's minds to get you to not believe. You know, it's uh, think about think about any time we've been confronted, or you hear other people, other believers being confronted with, uh, with, oh, you believe in a god, or you believe in Jesus, you believe in the Bible. You know, that's that's just stupidity. That's garbage. It's foolishness. Um, you know, where, and, and it's funny that, uh, I believe it's back in Psalms, where the Bible literally says, you know, the, the fool believes there's no God. So it's, it's, it's literally the reverse. And 
so it's just it, it's all part of that that you know that battle that's always happening around us. <clears throat> so verse three. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who affirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. So a few things. Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. So they were there for a while. This wasn't just like a you know pop in give a presentation and, and leave and I'm out and going somewhere else. This was, they, they spent time there with the people. They were probably interacting with a lot of different people, uh, maybe on individual levels or small groups, um, but also in big groups. And that probably lent itself to another big reason why they're, you know, a, a lot of people ended up believing. And, and we see here again, this idea of uh, speaking boldly for the Lord. <clears throat> Speaking boldly for the Lord, it's uh, going back to where in verse 1 it says they, uh, they spoke so well. They spoke so well. They spoke boldly. It's this idea that, one, they're speaking, the, the Holy Spirit is coming out through them. It's give, it giving them the power of the, this presentation and being bold. Um, so, and so it's also, so it's referencing, you know, their, their type of speaking. And kind of what, made, what that made me think of was, in, in terms of, of how we speak, of how we, you know, how we're speaking about God, how we're presenting the gospel, whenever we do it. Are we doing it in a way of, of conviction in the fact that this is truth? We're actually speaking from a truthful standpoint. We have the truth. There's no, there's no way you, you know, you can't sugarcoat that. You can't sugarcoat that, that this is the truth. That's it. Everybody else is wrong. There's, there's, not a, there's not another way you can say that. Yes, there's, you know, maybe little tiny things here and there and other worldviews that are, you know, that have true aspects. But as far as an overall worldview, an overall view of, of, uh, of, uh, of origins, of meaning, you know, morality and, des- and, and destiny, you know, what happens after we die, this is truth. The Bible, God, the, the gospel, Jesus Christ, this is the truth. So are we speaking boldly with the truth? Are we, or, or do we always kind of like, do we have this posture of, uh, of we always kind of, we always kind of get quieter. We always kind of back down from any of these, these moments. Um, uh, or do we see the, you know, these moments where we can maybe present the gospel or maybe we can, you know, it, when somebody comes at us, like I said earlier, where, you know, you're the fool because you believe in God, you're the fool because you believe all this, or it's like, that's fine. You can think that, but you know, in a, in a way, you, you, you don't be like me and just say, "Well, you're wrong," because <laughs> I have done that before. That doesn't work so well, um, as you know. <laughs> um, but it's it's in a very loving way, in a very respectful way, um, you know, because they have to see the the person you're talking with and dealing with, they and or the crowd or whatever it is, they have to see that that. You know, you're doing this out of love. You're presenting the truth because you love them. Because, again, as a part of, of this truthful worldview, you have this you have this foundational point of everybody you're talking to, every individual or or the crowd that's in front of you. Again, every person has has value that that God has placed on them because they're created in His image. Every person, every individual is that. So, do we? Uh, you know, do we do we talk in that way when when we're you know when we're talking with people or we're giving the gospel or we're confronted? You know, do we 
How do we handle ourselves? How do we present this? Be bold about it. You know, don't, don't be scared to, you know, be the one that's, that's the, the oddball, the different one in the crowd. Um, that's one of the things, actually, uh, you know, that I pray with my children almost every night is that, that they would be okay with being different. Because they're gonna, they're gonna be, you know, they're they're going to be different. They're gonna be raised in a way of, of being taught truth, and and uh, and so that's they're gonna be raised in an environment that is different than the world around them. And part of being bold about it is also being okay with the fact that you are the different one, because this is this is not the majority view. This this view of the gospel, this view of being a Christian, being a Christ follower. Uh, believing in the Bible as as truth from beginning to end, this is this is the very minority view of the world. Of you know when you're talking to most people, um, so are you are you okay with that, uh, or do you just, or do you kind of just like, you know, people kind of present you as like, oh yeah, he's the believer, and you're like, yeah, that's me, um, or are you are you good with it? You you're like, yeah, I'm. I am the believer, and I would really hope that all you too become believers, because this is true. Um, so, and then, well, I yeah, totally missed the whole point. Um, so, so, and at the end of that, we see this is also really interesting. Verse three, the end of it, uh, speaking boldly for the Lord, who affirmed the message of His grace. So, so the Lord is affirming the message that these people are giving, that Paul and Barnabas are giving, which is about the grace of, of, of God. Uh, God affirmed that message by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. And uh, reading, you know, reading through some commentaries and stuff, uh, Chuck Swindoll says, as always, miracles serve to validate their message as divine. So, you know, we see all throughout Scripture, uh, especially where, you know, in Acts and stuff, we see where, uh, or even Jesus doing doing miracles. But, but miracles were used in a way to affirm that this is this is God, or this is the the true message of God that I'm I'm presenting to you, and uh, in a way to show that you know God is God is has the power over this physical world and. Uh, and even to this day, anything that I've, I've read about miracles, uh, a book, a good book on this is the case for miracles by Lee Strobel. He, he talks a lot in depth on this point, but he, uh, even to this day in areas of the world where, where the gospel is, is a new thing. There's, there's a lot of reports of events that can basically only be described as miracles happening in those places where the gospel is being presented, that it, it, where, it's, where it's new, it's fresh, or, or the first time, as a way to confirm that this is a, this is a more than just earthly point that we're making. This is a, this is a godly, divine point that we're making. Um, so I just think that's, I think, I think that's so cool. So verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and others with the apostles. <clears throat> So ultimately, the, the city was divided, um, and you know, which, which again is 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 not necessarily a surprise. 
uh, because again, you had these very religious, we had these very religious people that did not want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And like we see earlier, they were going around poisoning people's minds. So all of this kind of spread at the same time, you have all the, you know, the, you have the, the, the spread of the true believers. Now the new, the newly, uh, the new believers from, uh, from Paul and Barnabas, you know, presenting and, uh, so it's not, you know, again, it's not a surprise. Um, so this kind of it it it's also brought up this point of um, you know brought this verse to mind and it ended up being Second um, Corinthians two fifteen to sixteen for we are we are to God the sweet aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing to the one we are an odor of death and demise to the other a fragrance that brings life so. You can be the most, you know, loving person that's giving truth, giving the gospel and all that, but not everybody you give it to is going to want it. It's going to is is going to want to hear it. Um, they might want to later on in life or maybe tomorrow or whatever, but you don't know if you're the you don't know if you're planting a seed. You don't know if if you're the person that's going to actually like experience them being saved or you don't know where you are in that in that uh in that, that journey with their, their, you know, their spiritual life. So the point is, be bold, like we said earlier, be bold, be, be okay with being different, be a, you know, present the gospel, be a follower that's okay with and, and, and gladly talking about this hope that we have. And, uh, but not everybody's going to want it. Not everybody's going to accept it. And that's okay. It's totally okay. Um, even as we see, you know, even as we see, Coming up right here, uh, even if people start, you know, getting mad at you for it or, or wanting to persecute you. So as we go on um, in five through seven, but when the Gentiles and Jews together with their rulers set out to mistreat and stone them, they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding region where they continued to preach the gospel. So a few things going on here. Um, they. <clears throat> the. The Gentiles and Jews, the group that was against them, they got together basically with all their high up friends uh, to get as much power as they possibly could. And to, they, they basically wanted to put an end to this. They wanted to, to persecute and mistreat and, and whatever they could and eventually hopefully kill these guys so that this could just stop. Because that's what, that's what the unbelieving world thinks because of, of their unbelief and because they have the wrong view of, of how the world works and how God is working in the world. They believe that by persecuting and killing, even, you know, martyring Christians, they believe that puts an end to, to the Christian message spreading. When in reality, because this is what the word says, and also because this is what we know through history, and this is what we know through it happening current day in places like North Korea and China and Iran and things like that. All of the most persecuted places are the fastest growing churches in the world. Because... Persecution leads to to uh, to belief and to true believers, and uh, <clears throat> so. Uh, well, I'll just read that now, because um, we see that again later. We see uh, in Romans five, uh, two through five, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In one sense, that can be summed up as, if you're persecuted for God, for the gospel, for Jesus, that's a good thing. And, and it's going to just produce in you this perseverance which leads to character, leads to hope, and hope does not disappoint, and on and on. And it's a good thing. So that's what, you know, that's what we see in, in these types of situations. Um, so go, touching on the point of uh, uh, six, where it kind of seems like, you know, I'm saying all this stuff about these guys sticking up for the gospel, sticking up for the faith, and then we see, we see in six that they fled. So what's going on here? They found out about it and they fled to, to the cities of Lystra and Derby and to the surrounding region. Um, Charles Ryrie says about this, Retreat is not always an unworthy procedure, particularly when the retreat involves further or different opportunities to witness. So they were aware that, okay, I stay here, I'm going to die, and, and you know, the witness that we can have to these people that has been started ends. Or we can flee a little bit to another you know, close-by city and basically start the process all over again. You know, we, we can go and, and to big crowds and talk to people and stuff and tell them about the gospel. So, you know, fleeing persecution, like even though, I, you, know, you know, even though we just read that, you know, pers- experiencing persecution is a good thing. Yes, it is. Um, but that doesn't always mean that you just have to in, in your current situation always. It's not that the only option is always to just die in that moment. Um, <laughs> it's okay to duck. It's okay to duck, yeah. <laughs> it's okay to duck. That was, that was good. Uh, you just summed up the whole thing. So, um, and, and, and again, just furthering that point where we see in verse 7 where they continued to preach the gospel. So, like I just said, they, they went to this whole new place and, you know, they ducked. They went to a whole new city and now they're just preaching the gospel again. And, you know, because they didn't, they didn't care about the persecution in the sense of, they didn't care that it was happening, but they also didn't want it to end their, their witness. So they, they ducked and they kept going. And uh, that's just a, another interesting thing, you know, thing that we see. Um, what, what time is it? Go ahead. The one verse says the city was split. Um, so that company with the other verse you read where some people just won't listen, they could also have been at the point of like basically topped out of who's going to actually believe here. So yeah. if that had already you know been made good, like all right, basically everybody's going to listen to us. Everybody's going to listen to us. They're going to try to kill us. There's really no sense in the danger. We have solid believers that can you know further the witness here. So if there's there were so many levels of like all right, we did good. You know we can we can die for fine. Yeah. It's encouraging. What are you called to do and are you doing? That's always a question that I ask. You know, mm-hmm. and and they were called to take the gospel to. Yeah, and and you know they were also aware they were called and they were aware that they were basically like some of the first ones. Yeah. So this needs to go and reach as reach as many people as possible. Where you know for us, it, you know, again, you could be the person that is meant to go and reach a whole bunch, or you reach your neighbor, and and maybe they're the go reach a whole bunch. You know, maybe you're to stay in the tribe and die with all. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, that's, you know, again, what, what does God have for you? Mm-hmm. And, and 
pretty clear. It wasn't that far from chapter 13, you know, set these guys apart for the work that I have for them. Yeah. So, yeah. Just doing what they're supposed to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to actually end there before we start a different section. Um, is there any other? I know you want to say something. Yeah. The, the, the other thought, the question I always have is why does the gospel thrive under persecution? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I really believe it's because the people around them see men willing to die for this truth. They see something in the lives of the men that are preaching them that says that somehow this truth is more important to them than their own very own life. So there's got to be something to it. And yeah. it attracts people to this message. What's going on? The you know, the people that are looking, uh, the people that are angry, they usually the gospel's upsetting their money or something. I think, and, and they also see the, I say, the character, or whatever, of the persecutor versus that of the one who's persecuted. Yeah. Now, because the people around them, yeah. Like, yeah. Look, you know, these guys, they you know, poisoned their minds. So the first thing to do, they had to have a position of control. I believe that the Greeks were there either to become, um, you know, to, uh, to convert to Judaism, or they already had. That's why they were there. So you have the, you know, the long-term Jews are like, yeah, like they had the upper hand. Nah, 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 nah. Mm-hmm. And it was obviously, you know, not a message of grace. Yeah. Because it says in here, you know, they went on speaking grace. Um, so, you know, that the, the, the persecutor's message wasn't grace. This message is grace. And that was the dividing part of this. And I think that, that you know, that would have caused them, those people who were trying to be influenced to say, huh, yeah. who do I want to be like when I grow up? <laughs> so. And I can't remember who said this, that I heard this from. Uh, it was a Christian apologist, but um, they said, you know, kind of to your point, Dave, they said, <clears throat> nobody will die, or, you know, because people might point, well, people die for, you know, for wrong beliefs all the time, you know, cults and things like that we think of, uh, or they die, and, you know, they're heavy religious people in, in different religions and they die. Nobody, that, that's normal. Everybody dies, not everybody. A lot of people die for wrong beliefs, but no one will, will die for a belief that they know is wrong. So when, when you know, if, if you know that, so, so these guys, for example, they knew that this was the truth. You know, uh, they, they had experienced the resurrected Christ. They had, you know, so, so they knew that this message they were giving about Jesus, about him being the Messiah, him being the fulfillment of prophecy all throughout scriptures from the Old Testament and all, speaking to the Jews that would have known all the, that, those scriptures, they knew that that was the truth. So that was it. They couldn't, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't be persecuted and then be like, ah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. I'll just stop believing that because if, if, if you know that your belief is wrong, then you can just give it up, you, you know, at a point of death or if that comes. You know, you can be just like, you know what, yeah, I'm fine, I don't believe it. Uh, I'll give it up because, you know, I'll just believe something else. But when you know that it's the truth, you don't, you don't just give it up because it's truth. Um, that's how important truth is. So, 
you also see that heart, that you know, poisoning or embittering. You know, you know no one like you know, rationally poisons somebody. Yeah. You know, anger, whatever, jealousy can lead to, to uh, you know, killing, shooting somebody. You know, but poisoning is something that really. It's why there's a separate charge for conspiracy, yeah. along with committing a homicide, because that's a separate crime. I mean, the whole idea of and how calculated and like, you know, giving little bits, that's how they're doing. They didn't knock them down. It was like, all right, yeah, put a little bit in it, you know, put a little in the, you know, this coffee today, a little bit tomorrow, eventually we'll, you know, because that takes a long time. And they were ready, they were in that to get them, you know, poisoned, give them a little bit, a little bit, as much as they can handle. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's, you know, that's rough. That's what they, you know, because they didn't want to, they didn't want to lose the game. Yep. So, and they, and they, and they had, a, you know, the people that were, the, those Jews, they had, they had power. They were in the power position. They're refusing to believe. Yeah. And that's hard to do. That means you know that it's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, I'm not going to believe. Wait, did I just believe? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's cold. Huh. Anything else? I, my brother has a favorite verse. He showed you years ago to me. And he said, it's in Second Corinthians, I think, but it says, you can do nothing against the truth. Truth is its own power. Mm-hmm. You know, and truth stands, regardless of what people are doing around it. And, uh, so sometimes we don't have to become overly defensive or angry. Our only job is to share the truth and allow the truth to do its work. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it, it's like believers that have, that struggle with doubt sometimes. It's okay. God can handle it. You know, ask him. Seek out the truth. Uh, you know, bring it to him. Because... He, he, is, he is actually there. He actually is listening. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Marcus, can you pray? Sure, yeah. Father, we thank you so much for uh, just bringing us here, Lord, to be together in fellowship. Uh, we thank you for the message uh, in Acts 14. Um, we thank you that uh, through persecution, you have uh, continued to uh, spread the gospel across 